G'day guys, welcome back yet again. Uh, so we're right in the thick of learning about how to value a company, which might be a bit boring to you by now, but it is step two of our two-step approach. Remember, two ways you lose money in stocks, buying a bad company, which we already addressed, and or you pay too high a price for the stock. And so stock falls and you lose money. So the valuation part is really important. Unfortunately, I wish it wasn't, but I'm doing everything I can to make it as easy as possible for you guys. Everything we talk about with valuation, the spreadsheets have automatically done it all for you. I just want you to know it so that you kind of understand what you're looking at, okay? I'll tell you what approach you should use in each spreadsheet. I'll tell you why the other ones don't work. It'll all be laid out for you, but still need to have a little brief discussion about it so you can understand why I'm saying what I'm saying. So to value a company, we're going to have five approaches. Three of them are going to be using what are called multiples, which we discussed last week. But just as a recap, a multiple is just a number that you multiply the free cash flow or the sales of the company last year by to get the total value of the company. We then do a bit of tweaking, which we're going to do over the next two weeks. And there you've got it. You've got a fair stock price that you should pay that will make sure that you don't lose money by paying too high a price. Last week, we talked about... So there's three ways we can get a multiple. We can get it from looking at similar companies. We can get it from the company's own history. And we can get it from the company's growth. We discussed similar comp- getting the multiple from similar companies last week. So this week... We're going to finish it off by looking at how you get multiples from the company's history and from their growth. So let's get stuck right into it. Let's start with looking at the company's history. So all we do here is we calculate what multiple free cash flow or sales the company was trading at on the stock market for the last 10 years. Okay, that'll all be calculated for you in the spreadsheet for each year. So it'll tell you last year it was at a 20 times free cash flow multiple and a two times sales multiple. It'll all be there for you. And then what we're going to do is, is we're going to find, this is going to give us kind of a range of multiples that we should be using. So we're going to look for the lowest multiple, the, com- the lowest free cash flow multiple and the lowest sales multiple the company ever traded at in its history. And that's going to give us the bottom of our range for the company. And then we're also going to do an average of all. So ideally, we'll have 10 years worth of data, but not all companies have been around for 10 years. So we're going to look, we're going to calculate the free cash flow multiples and the sales multiples that the company has been trading at on the stock market for the last 10 years or however long it's been public for. And then we're going to average the free cash flow multiple and the sales multiple for all those years. And that's going to give us the average long-term, the long-term average free cash flow multiple and sales multiple that the company has been trading at. And we do not want to pay more than this. We do not want to use a multiple any bigger than either of these for the maximum range of our valuation. Why? Conservatism is our friend. If we're extra conservative and we take every measure we can to underprice this company, then that means 
It'll mean, yes, it'll be harder to find a company that's selling below our, at our range, but it will also mean that we're not stretched out and paying too high a price for a stock. It'll mean we always get stocks at absolute bargains and the way your returns will work is the cheaper the price you pay for a stock, when that stock goes back up to normal, that's going to give you your biggest returns. Okay, that's how you get a doubling and a tripling in a couple of years. So that's what we're gunning for. So yeah, so we're going to look at the free cash flow multiples that the company has traded at in all its history and the sales multiples that the company has traded at in all its history. We're going to get the minimum, the lowest free cash flow multiple and the lowest sales multiple it's ever traded at. That's going to be the bottom of our range. And we're going to get the average of all those years of data, and that's going to be the maximum of our range. Okay, and that'll all be done for you in the spreadsheet. Easy. Now, there's the advantages of this approach are that it's super easy. Okay, super easy. It's already done for you. The other advantage of it is that we're not comparing it to other companies. Okay, so it's a more accurate multiple because it's we're only looking at this company's own history whereas last week when we talked about getting the multiples from other companies there might be slight variances in the companies there might be differences in growth differences in debt differences in prospects and so comparing two companies which might sell the same type of product isn't there's always going to be something that we're missing there whereas if we look at a single company's own history, we lose all of that bias. So it's better in that regard. The other benefit of this approach is that we're less likely to fall in the trap of an overvalued stock. So what do I mean by this? When we look at a company and we look at all the similar companies to get our multiple, like we addressed last week, if that whole industry is in a boom period and Wall Street loves it and they're all hot stocks, that whole industry is going to be is going to look expensive is going to be expensive but we're not going to be able to tell because they all their multiples will be high together and we won't know any better however when we look at a company's own history you'll literally be able to see the years in which the company was booming because their multiples will be really high and the years in which it was busting which is when their multiples were really low so we're less likely to fall in a trap of not noticing that the whole industry is overvalued and then overpaying for the stock and using those high multiples. So that's the other advantage. Now, the biggest way of doing this wrong is using a company's history in a company that is having slowing growth, okay? So we already know that we've discussed a lot of times that those hot growth stocks are always very expensive. And so they have very high free cash flow multiples and very high sales multiples. So if we look at a company which was maybe five years ago was growing really, really fast and had really high free cash flow multiples and really high sales multiples and their growth has, slow, has slowed down since then as high, you can't grow at 100% a year forever, as their growth naturally slows down, their multiples will decrease with it. So if we average the company's history, right, we're going to be including in that average 
if we average the whole company's history, included in that average are going to be those really high numbers from when the company was growing really fast. So what we want to do is we want to make sure we're using this approach for a company which has had similar growth throughout its history. Or alternatively, when we're calculating the averages, we simply exclude the really high multiple periods. So any period where it was at 50 or 100 times, 50 or 100 free cash flow multiple, we won't include that in in calculating the average here. We will only use the, we'll calculate our average based on the time period where the company's growth was consistent and similar. But don't fret too much about this. I've already done that in the spreadsheets that are up there. Any periods which were abnormally high multiples because the company was growing really fast back then and now it's not, I've excluded those from calculating the average. So what you want to do is is you want to look out, you want to calculate the average using all the years where the company had similar growth to what it has now. So if a company had a period of 100% growth, 100% growth, 20% growth, 20% growth, and now it's at 10%, you want to only use, you want to calculate the averages in the periods where it was at 10%, which is where it's at now. You don't want to include the 20% and you don't want to include the times when it was 100% either. But that's all been done for you. But that's the biggest way to do this wrong because then you're going to give a company a 100 a free cash flow multiple of 100, but that's what multiple it had when it was growing at, say, 50%, whereas now it's growing at 10%. So there's no way it's going to get a 100 free cash flow multiple. Okay. The other, disadvan- the other disadvantage of this approach is that when a company has a short-term issue and its free cash flow falls by 50%, the stock is unlikely to fall by 50% as well. And it's just by the engineering of how it works. So if your sales drop by 10%, your free cash flow might drop by 40% or 50%. It's disproportionate, okay? And it's called operating leverage and we'll learn about it in future weeks. But essentially what can happen is if your company faces a short-term issue and its free cash flow drops by 50%, but its stock only falls by 25%, the mathematically what happens is the free cash flow multiple will jump up really high. And it'll be really obvious when you're looking at the company's history and the free cash flow multiples and the sales multiples in its past, you might see one or two years where it just shot up really high and then came back down. Nothing to worry about. We're going to exclude those when we calculate our averages because they're one-off things. But just know that it's because their free cash flow has dropped due to some sort of temporary issue and then the stock price hasn't fallen by as much because there's enough smart people out there to know that it's only temporary. And so what happens is it makes the multiple look really big for that time period. So just to recap, the whole mantra of looking at the company's history is that we're investing in companies that have protection from competition forever. And the economy is always growing and stocks are always growing. So if we can buy a stock near the lowest of the range that it's ever traded at, well, that is likely to revert to its mean. It's likely to go back to its average multiple because it's got protection from competition. So it's going to continue to survive and it's historically traded at this average multiple. Okay, so by typical mean reversion, 
the stock might have a short-term issue, the stock might fall to the lower end of the multiples it's ever traded at. But what will naturally happen is once they fix that problem, it's going to revert back to its averages and we're going to benefit from that upswing. So that's what this whole historical multiples approach is trying to do. And the only way you screw it up is by calculating the average using a company when it was growing really, using the company's multiples for when it was growing really, really fast, which is why it had such high multiples because growth stocks are expensive. But that's all been done for you, just an FYI. So that's historical multiples. The other, so that's getting the multiple from the company's history. The other place we can get a company's multiple is from their growth. Now, there was a really smart investor out there named Philip Fisher. He's got two books out there, which are both really worth the read. And he created what's called the PEG ratio, which stands for price to earnings to growth ratio. Essentially what it is, is it's the earnings multiple divided by the growth. What he's trying to say is this, if you can buy a stock that's growing faster, if its growth rate is higher than its earnings multiple, then it's a buy. And the reason for this is pretty simple. When you grow your sales by say 10%, that will have a disproportionately higher effect on your free cash flow. If you grow your sales by 10%, you all your expenses aren't going to increase by 10% with that. They're likely to increase by less. And so the effect is that because you've still got the same offices, you've still got the same factories, you've still got the main you've still got the same fundamental expenses, but you're selling more stuff. So all you have to do is just pick up the speed in your factories, which doesn't cost you that much. And so you might grow your sales by only 10%, but your free cash flow might grow by 20, 30, 40%. So what he's saying is this, if a company's growing at say 20% and it's currently at a free cash, it's currently on an earnings multiple of 10, that's a big buy because its multiple is lower than its growth. And it's the reason it's a good deal is for that reason I just said. If it's growing its sales by 20%, then it's likely for the free cash flow to grow by more than that, which is meaning the multiple is going to be cheap. So when I say growth, by the way, the best sign of a company's growth is the growth in its sales. And the reason for that is sales can't be manipulated. Okay, if a company manipulates their sales number, that's fraud. Okay, and it's completely illegal and it always gets found out and it's a huge scandal. So, a company can't manipulate their sales. So, if a company says their sales grew by 10%, you can 100% bank on the fact that their sales grew by 10%. However, let's take another example. Let's take a company whose sales have been flat. Sales are the same this year as they were last year. However, this year, they got a new CEO in who cut costs everywhere, cut costs in advertising, cut costs on making new products, cut, 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 fired people. And so what happened is the free cash flow increased by 40%, but the sales are the same. That company hasn't grown. It does not have growth of 40% 
just because they cut costs everywhere. Okay, if anything, the company has shrunk in size by cutting stuff. So what I'm trying to say is that the reason when I say growth, the best indicator or the best place to find a company's growth is to look at how much its sales grew this year compared to last year. Don't look at growth in any other way. It's just how much has the sales increased this year to last year. So what you'll notice is that Philip Fisher's peg ratio thing uses earnings multiples. We don't like earnings, so we're going to use free cash flow. So in a roundabout way of what I've just said, it's as simple as this. If a company has grown at fifth, grew its sales by 15% last year, then a very conservative and safe free cash flow multiple to use would be 15. If a company grew by 35% last year, a very safe and conservative free cash flow multiple to use would be 35. So the advantage of this approach is that it's easy and it's very conservative. Because like I said, if a company grew its sales by 15% last year, it's likely that its free cash flow grew by more than that. So if we can get that company, if we can buy that stock at a 15 times free cash flow multiple, we've got ourselves a bargain. So the obvious disadvantage of this approach is that it only works for free cash flow multiples. There's no kind of rule for sales multiples. So it only works for free cash flow multiple. The other disadvantage of this approach is that it's really hard to find companies that are trading this because if they are, if they do meet this rule whereby their free cash flow multiple is lower than their growth from last year, which is what we're trying to find, that very rarely happens because investors know about the Philip Fisher rule and it's so well known and it's so reliable that it's very hard to find. But when you do find these opportunities, they are very good investments. Okay, it'll all be on my web, on my spreadsheets. So I would have calculated the growth for the company from last year, and I would have even calculated um, the company's value with that free cash flow multiple of their growth in there. Again, we're just going through this so you know what you're looking at with the pretty daunting spreadsheets. So the only other way to the only main way to screw this up is by using the wrong growth number, which I already elaborated on. Growth is the growth in sales. How much did their sales increase compared to last year? Don't look at growth of any other thing. Don't look at growth in income. Don't look at growth in sales. Don't look at growth in any other thing. We just want to see how much did their sales grow because that's the true growth of the company. A CEO can go in, make a bunch of cost cuts to increase their free cash flow, but the company hasn't actually grown. So growth is growth in sales. I can't stress that enough. The other disadvantage of this approach is it doesn't work for low growth companies. So for example, McDonald's grew 3% last year. That does not mean that McDonald's is ever going to be on a free cash flow multiple of three. Because in the real world, in the world of stock markets, companies quite rarely get to a free cash flow multiple below 10. And if they go below five, it usually means that the company is facing bankruptcy. Okay, so if you ever see a company at a free cash flow multiple of five, 
make sure they're not at risk of bankruptcy by looking at the amount of debt they have. Um, because yeah, realistically, free cash flow multiples are always 10 or above. They can be below 10, but they're never below five. So this growth multiple, getting our multiple from the growth of a company won't work for low growth companies. Okay. All the mature companies which are growing at zero to five percent each year, they we're not going to be able to value them using this approach. And you'll even see in my spreadsheets that companies which grew at like two percent last year, if you put a free cash flow multiple of two on them, the stock price that you get is just so low it's never going to get there. The last main pitfall with this approach is if your company goes out and buys another company and they join together, when you look at the numbers for that year, in the year after that they joined together, when two companies join together, they put all their financial statements together. So their income, their sale, their sales, their cash flows, their balance sheet, everything just gets fused together with simple addition. And so if your company bought another company last year, that company's sales are going to go onto your company's sales. And if you just look at the numbers, it's going to look like your company grew by 50% in a single year. Big way to screw this up, okay? Make sure your company didn't buy any other companies last year. Because if they did, then that increase in sales is only going to last one year. It's just from the joining of the two companies. It's not true growth in sales of the company. So if you use a 50 multiple because your company bought another big company and its sales went up 50%, it just doesn't work in that situation. So please don't do it. I will alert you of this on my spreadsheet anyway, so you have nothing to worry about. But if you're doing it on your own, remember on the cash flow statement under investing activities, it tells you, it says acquisitions. And that means buying another company. It'll tell you, did your company buy another company? And if it's a small number, then don't worry about it. But if your company bought another big company, then that's going to make the sales look much bigger, one-off, but we cannot use our growth multiple here. Okay? That wraps it up this week. So we've now got three tools to value a company. We can get, we can use multiples, free cash flow multiples or sales multiples, and we can get the multiples by looking at similar companies to ours, we can get it from looking at a company's own history and we can get it from looking at a company's growth, which is the growth in their sales. But the growth in sales using that approach only works for free cash flow multiples. It doesn't give us the number of the sales multiple. And remember, the growth multiple is just we get the company's growth in sales and that is the multiple we use. If the company grew its sales by 20% last year, we use a 20 times free cash flow multiple. If the company grew by 30% last year, we use a 30 times free cash flow multiple. But also remember that it doesn't work once the growth is pretty much below 10% or below 5%. Growth multiple doesn't work. So next week, we are going to start to fine tune how to value our company And so in about three more episodes after that, we're done with the numbers and we can value companies and we can learn about all the different types of stocks and industries and all the other non-numerical stuff.
I hope you're looking forward to it because I am. <laughs> All right, I'll see you guys next week.